0: It's your opportunity now to get a chance to sing and have a good time. That's what you're here for tonight. Join being together and worship the Lord. There we go. I can just keep trusting my Lord. Ready? I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk alone. I just keep trusting my Lord and he gives us hope clouds darken the sky, or the heavenly trail, I just keep trusting my Lord, He will never fail, He's a faithful friend, such a faithful friend.
1: We've got a couple of first-time guests with us tonight sitting right over here we're glad to have them do we have any other first-time guests we want to do this right before our fellowship time anybody else here tonight for the first time if you'd slip your hand up anybody at all all right well we're glad to have all of our folks here turn around and shake hands with somebody if you would please sometimes sing by faith, amen? We don't always really do that, but we give it a try anyway and do our best to keep trusting our Lord through the dark times, through the difficult times, through the times we face in our lives. Thank you for being here tonight. In case you haven't figured it out, Brother Ken is out of town and uh, he is preaching down in Hogansville, Georgia. He'll be preaching through tomorrow night. So if you would please remember him in prayer and a lot of requests that we have, we'll be going over our prayer sheet in a few moments and uh, talking about some of the needs that, that we have And some of our folks in the hospital and everything i do want to say thank you for praying for my grandfather i was out of town sunday went down there to see him thank you for praying for him and uh appreciate your continued prayers on his behalf uh let's go lord in prayer now and ask him to bless tonight father we thank you for all you've done for us lord you've really been good to us and god we just don't want to take that for granted lord we don't ever want to fail to thank you for being good to us the fact that you've brought us through another day Lord, in all of us doing different things today, and yet you kept us safe, and God, we want to say thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to be in church, and Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless. Help us to trust you, God, as we just sang, and God, help us to, to live that, not just sing it. Lord, help us to trust you through every day of our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would meet with us in this service. We ask that the message, Lord, would speak to our hearts. We ask that the music, Lord, would would lift our spirits towards you and point us in your direction. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue standing as we
0: continue to sing. 341. I know who holds tomorrow. 341.
1: tomorrow say amen i'm certainly thankful for that if we'll get our ushers take their places we'll get ready to receive our offering tonight again remember everything you give on wednesday night goes toward the bible conference and that is just a few weeks away i'm excited about it It'll be my first one here and i'm looking forward to it i've heard so much about it and uh, we're just excited about what god is going to do in our bible conference we've got a lot of preachers a lot of folks coming in And so we're just looking forward to a great time. Hope that you will be faithful. Hope that you will give tonight and the next few weeks as we prepare for the Bible conference. Brother Steve, if you would please lead us in prayer for the offering. Amen.
2: Well, I decided I wasn't going to pick on Marcia tonight. I had something to tell about her, but some of you don't know this is my sister and this is my wife. I don't want, I want everybody to have that straight. But we used to work together a lot, and, and I'd pick on her in public, and uh, people would kind of get mad at me saying, why are you so hard on her? And they didn't realize she was my sister, you know, and then after that, I guess it was okay. But this song right here, it's, it's an old song. It says, I find no fault in him. Reject
1: serving a savior that has no fault and he was able to be our sacrifice amen if you will with me tonight turn to the book of Ruth chapter 1 Ruth chapter 1 we'll be looking at some things from the story of Ruth tonight I wasn't asked but I was told by a certain female on the back row in the middle section that I was to be short tonight If everybody wants to turn around and look at Christy you're welcome to God, that's what's wrong with churches today. we got women running no. them. Just, just kidding. Side behind the pulpit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I asked her if she had ever known me to preach long, and she said no. So we'll, we'll do like we normally do. Amen? Heard this week about four football fans who were climbing a mountain, and one of them was a Kentucky fan, one of them was a Florida fan, one of them was a Tennessee fan, and one of them was an Alabama fan. They were climbing on the way up there. They were arguing about who was the most diehard fan among them. They finally got to the top, and to show how diehard of a fan he was, the Kentucky fan yelled, Go Wildcats, and jumped off the side of the mountain in self-sacrifice for his team. The Florida fan, not to be outdone, said, Go Gators, and he jumped off the side of the mountain, followed right behind him to show how diehard of a fan he was. The Tennessee fan, to show how diehard, he said, not to be outdone by kentucky and a florida fan he said go big orange and hurriedly turned around and pushed the alabama fan off the mountain (laughs) i just heard that this week it's not mine okay Um, i'm not from here so i'm not in the rivalry just thought i would share it ruth chapter one if you will with me tonight in verse number one the bible says now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and i want to really concentrate on that phrase tonight. It says, There was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, the name of his two sons Melon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, And her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Again, if I can call your attention to verse 1. And that phrase, it says there was a famine in the land. And if I can tonight bring you a message entitled, When Famine Comes. How to Act in the Difficult Times. Let's pray. Father, we have come now to... The time of the service, I guess, when we probably need you more than any other time, and that is the preaching of your word. Because, Lord, you have to be in this in order for it to do anything. And you have to, Lord, be a part of this. Otherwise, it is meaningless. And, Father, right now I want to yield myself as a vessel to you and ask you to use me tonight. We do pray for our pastor tonight that you would help him. And God continue to bless the meeting Where he is at, fill him with your spirit and your power, God. But we pray also, Lord, that you would fill me with that spirit and that power as we preach here tonight and continue to bless this church. May we receive something from you tonight. God, I pray that you would clear our, our thoughts, clear our minds, Lord, of everything that has anything to do with something that's not according to you and something that's not in line with you, and help us tonight to focus. On you and what you want to say to us, we ask for your power and your help, and your name we pray. Amen. I believe tonight that every Christian can see how to act in difficult times by looking at some things from the Book of Ruth. We're going to look at a couple of different things really throughout the story tonight, and look at the, the subject of when famine comes, how to act in difficult times. And this is appropriate for every one of us because every one of us goes through difficult times in our lives. And let me ask you this. Have you ever been going through a difficult time and think back through your life, and in that time you made a decision that you regretted later? I could probably think of some times in my own life when when it got difficult, and I may have made a decision that was not the best decision at at the time, but I made that decision in the difficult times. And in our story, I believe that Elimelech made the same type of decision You see, famine came to the land of Israel where Elimelech and his family lived. And in our story, Elimelech made a decision in the time of famine that had very disastrous consequences. As we read a few moments ago, he passed away in the land of Moab. His two sons passed away in the land of Moab also. So he made a decision in a time of famine that had very disastrous consequences for him. Now, by looking at his story, I believe we can learn some lessons that are going to help us make the right decisions Whenever difficult times come in our lives, and we need that kind of help, we need that kind of wisdom. And sometimes it's a lot easier to make decisions when everything's going well for you and everything's going right. It seems like you've got clarity of mind and you can make decisions and you can make the right ones. But then something comes your way that that clouds your thinking process. Something difficult, something uh, uh, something hard to battle, and something hard to live with, and it comes your way. And oftentimes in those difficult situations. We make decisions that we end up regretting later, just like Elimelech did. So, by looking at his story, I believe we can learn how not to let that happen to us. Now, if I can point you to the first thing tonight, and that is this the first observation I see is the choice of a man. We see Elimelech's choice, verses 1 and 2. And uh, he said, it says, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, speaking of Elimelech, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. And uh, they came into the country of Moab, and they continued there. Now, this famine was allowed by God. It may not necessarily have been caused by God, but this famine was allowed by God to come to the land of Israel. And in that famine, as we already said, Elimelech made a decision to take his family away from Israel and to the country of Moab. And there are some lessons we can learn from his sake. And as we look at this, and, and as you look through the book of Ruth, you see that uh, from a human perspective, that was a mistake that he made in, uh, in making that decision to move his family to Moab. And so he made that decision. He's going to take his family away from Israel. And Bethlehem, Judah, and, and that, that area is the house of bread. And he said, I'm taking my family away from that place. There's a famine there now. I'm going somewhere else. Here's something that came to my attention as I looked at this passage. First of all, do not base your decisions on what you do not have. Do not base your decisions on what you do not have. So many times in the Christian life, we make decisions, and we make those decisions based not on what we do have and what we know God wants us to do, but on something that we don't have. That's what Elimelech did. He said, wait a second, I don't have enough to take care of my family here. And he started looking at the negative side of things. And as he did that, he made a wrong decision. So don't base your decisions on what you do not have. I believe this shows something and reveals something in our lives. It reveals a lack of contentment with what God has given us. I didn't mention it, but you should have bulletins. I see most everybody writing that have some blanks in them as you can follow along with the message tonight. Do not base your decisions on what you do not have because this shows a lack of contentment with what God has given you. Many times, instead of making decisions based on the will of God, we make decisions based on the circumstances around us. Our responsibility is to be content with what God has given us and to trust Him to take care of us even when the circumstances do not look great around us. But that's hard to do. That's hard for us to do because our natural reaction whenever hard times come in our lives is to start looking for somewhere else to move so we can get away from the hard times. But God says, hey, wait a second. Don't base your decisions on what you do not have because that shows that you're not content with what I've allowed you to have. Could God have taken care of Elimelech in Bethlehem, Judah? Yes, he could have because we know God can do anything. But Elimelech said, no, wait a second, I'm not content with where God has me because it's gotten hard on me, it's gotten difficult, so it must not be the will of God, so I'm going to go this place. And how many times have Christians made the decision like that? They said, it's gotten hard where I'm at, so this must not be the will of God. I want to tell you something, if you follow the will of God, you are going to face some hard times. You are going to face difficult situations. But as you follow God and you stay right with God and right where God wants you to be, even when it gets hard, you will find the blessings of God in that situation. So here's some illustrations we think about. We choose a job for the money, but it takes us out of church on a regular basis. Sometimes we move to a different location without finding out for sure if it's the will of God before we do it. And we base our decisions on what we do not have, and that reveals about us a lack of contentment with what God has given us. Secondly, not only do we, not do it, we see the lack of contentment, but uh, do not make any sudden moves. Just some sound, practical advice tonight that I believe we glean from the pages of this book. Whenever famine comes in your life, don't make a sudden move. Because what that reveals about us, it reveals a lack of consistency. Reveals a lack of consistency. If we base our decisions on our circumstances, then we will be constantly making wrong decisions and be unstable and inconsistent in our Christian lives. And this inconsistency is easily visible to those around us and makes us a less effective testimony for Christ. You see, sometimes as a Christian, God allows those hard times to come. God allows difficult situations to happen in our lives. And too often we make a wrong decision and we start basing our decisions on what we do not have and then we make a sudden move without consulting God, without asking God what do you want me to do, without seeking God's face and God's guidance, we make a move and, and we continue to make moves in our lives based on circumstances and it shows an inconsistent Christian life. And if you, you can see that in people. They make a decision based on circumstances because it's hard here, so they move. But what happens? They get into a difficult situation here, and they continue to make decisions, and they're just inconsistent back and forth in the Christian life, always moving. So here's some practical advice. Number one, don't base your decisions on what you do not have. Number two, do not make any sudden moves. Here's the third one. Do not take matters into your own hands. Do not take matters into your own hands because this is what this reveals about us. It reveals a lack of confidence in God. Reveals a lack of confidence in God. When we take matters into our own hands, we show by our actions that we do not trust God to take care of us. We don't say that. No, we sing, I just keep trusting the Lord on the narrow way. And all the time, we're taking matters into our own hands and doing things our way. I know who holds tomorrow, but I'm sure I'm going to make sure I take care of tomorrow. It's getting quiet in here. Are we hitting close to home, amen? We're all guilty of this, aren't we? Difficult times come when our natural reaction is to say, I need to move. And that's what Elimelech did. He said, I need to get out of here. He said, I need to move. It's getting tough here. This must not be the will of God. But the will of God does not guarantee a life of ease. And when difficult times come, number one, don't base your decisions on what you don't have. Number two, don't make any sudden moves. And number three, don't take matters into your own hands. As I thought about the choices that we make sometimes and and what happens in those choices I thought of the Bible story of the man named Lot. Lot of course was the nephew of Abraham and Lot and Abraham left their homeland together. But soon they got so big and their their entourage got so big that they had to separate, had to part ways. The Bible says that Abraham gave Lot a choice and Lot looked one way and he saw a wilderness area that would be very difficult to feed his flock in and he looked one way and he saw the well-watered plain of Jordan which seems to be a no-brainer to us the only problem being that on the other end of that plain were two of the most wicked cities God ever let stay on the face of the earth and that was Sodom and Gomorrah so Lot chose the Bible says then Lot chose him the plain of Jordan Lot made a choice and you're familiar with the story how Lot ended up losing almost everything that he had basically the only thing he ended up leaving Sodom and Gomorrah with when God judged those cities was two daughters. That's all he ended up with. And those two daughters were infected with the wickedness of Sodom when they left. And Lot made a choice. I don't think Lot consulted God about it. I think it got difficult where Lot was at because they were, their herdsmen were fighting with, with, with each other, Abrahams and Lot's. And Abraham said, make your choice. And Lot looked this way and looked that way and said, I'm going this direction. It's very possible Lot did not consult God. Lot just said, I'm in a tough time here. I'm going to go this way where it looks easier. And it ended up costing him so much more. And that leads us to point number two, and that is not the choice of a man, but the consequences of moving the consequences of moving. Look with me at this chapter. Verse number 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband died. So we see the dad dying and she was left in her two sons. Verse 4 says they took them wives, Orpah and Ruth. They dwelled there about 10 years. Verse 5, Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. The woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. She heard that God had brought bread back to His people in Israel. So she went forth from the place where she was. Orpah and Ruth went with her. They went on their way to return into the land of Judah. Verse 8, Naomi said unto Orpah and Ruth, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and they wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. They're saying, Hey, we'll go ahead and go with you. And Naomi said, verse 11, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tear for them till they were grown? She said, Even if I have more children. She said it you're not going to wait for them till they are grown and they become old enough to be married? She says, Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. The consequences of moving. Anytime that we move outside the will of God, we make a choice that has bad consequences. Anytime that you and I decide I'm making this move and it's outside the will of God, I promise you, it will not bring about good for us. God may turn it around for good, but it will not bring good by itself. So let's look at some of the consequences. The first thing that I saw was the consequence of death. And by death, I'm talking about the things that you lose death, the things that you lose. You see, you never win when you move outside of the will of God. You will always lose some things. And what happened? Naomi lost her husband and she lost her two sons. There is always loss on the road outside of the will of God. And no matter how difficult it is where you're at, when you move outside the will of God, you are moving into a more difficult situation than before. So we see Death, that's one consequence of moving outside the will of God, the things you lose. But let's also talk about, secondly, difficulty. Talking about the things that you live with when you move outside the will of God. You see, they thought they were leaving difficulty behind when they moved from Israel. They thought they were avoiding hardship. However, they moved into a set of difficulties that far surpassed what they left behind. People in Israel survived the famine, but Elimelech and his two sons did not survive the move. Naomi had to live with the fact that her husband and her two sons were gone, which was difficult enough without the fact that she was still living away from home in a strange land. Difficulty. The things that you live with, the things that I live with, whenever I decide, hey, I don't like where God has me, I'm moving. And we move outside the will of God. Verses 20 and 21 of that chapter says, when she came back, she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Naomi means pleasant, Mara means bitter. She said, For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I think that is the, the words of a woman living in a difficult time. She thought it was difficult when she left the famine." She thought it was hard whenever she left. But when they moved outside the will of God, they lost some things. And not only did they lose some things, but she had to live with the fact that her husband and her two sons were gone. And any time we move outside the will of God, there is death and there is difficulty. We will lose some things and we will have to live with the consequences of our choice. But the third thing that I see, not only death and not only difficulty, but I see division. And by that I mean the things that we leave behind. You see, in spite of all the problems, Naomi had grown close to her daughter's-in-law. When she chose to come back, she told them to stay behind. And although Ruth Ruth decided to stay with Naomi, Naomi had to watch Orpah go back to Moab, knowing she would probably never see her again. So as, as, as Naomi decides, she hears in Moab that God has visited His people. And God has given them bread. The famine's over with she starts to go back and she tells and Orpah and Ruth began to come with her and she tells them, hey, stay here. There's not really anything for you in Israel. She said, why don't you stay here with your people? Orpah, the Bible says, kissed her mother-in-law when she left. And Naomi had to watch Orpah go down that road knowing she'd probably never see her again. Division. Division the things that you leave behind. Whenever we go through a difficult time and when famine comes in our lives and God allows a set of circumstances that are not necessarily pleasant for us and we decide that we're going to move from that hardship to something else and that move is not in the will of God, trust me, you will lose some things, you will live with some things, and when you come back, you will leave behind some things. Not wanting to paint a pretty picture because anytime you move outside the will of God, it's never a pretty picture. Going back to what we talked about in, verse number, in, in the point, first point, don't base decisions based on what you don't have. Don't make any sudden moves. Don't do that. And don't take matters into your own hands. Because the consequences of moving are so much greater than the consequences of staying in the will of God, even though it may be difficult. Let's move on to point number three, and then we'll wrap it all up at the end. Not only do we see the choice of a man and the consequences of moving, but we see the control of the master. You see, if I just left it at, at what we just finished, the consequences of moving, you think, man, that's a tough story. But the story doesn't end there. And as I got to look at this, I got to rejoicing in some things about the control of God through all the problems. We can see God working in spite of those problems. And that's what rejoices me about my life is even when I make a move outside of God's will, God can still turn it around and do something great with it. And that's the way our Savior is. We see the control of the Master. First of all, we see a sovereign moving. A sovereign moving. God in control, God working behind the scenes. You see, in chapter 4, we see that he had Ruth scheduled to be in the line of the Messiah. She was one of the earthly ancestors of Jesus. And you know what he used to get Ruth in that Messianic line? Elimelech's bad choice. I'm sure God may have had another plan, but even in Elimelech's bad choice, God says... I can take that choice. Watch what I do with it. And we see God working behind the scenes. He had Boaz scheduled to marry Ruth, and we see that also in chapter 4. And the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 3, she went and and they they came back now to the land of of Israel, and Ruth goes out to try to glean some some food for them in the field. Chapter 2, verse 3, she went and she came and she gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap, was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. She goes out. She doesn't know anybody. She doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know what she's doing. About the first time I tried to drive through Chattanooga, I know what she feels like. Go out, and you don't know where you're going, what you're doing, and where you're going to end up. Amen? But we uh, Ruth here, she goes out, and it says her hap was to light on the field belonging unto Boaz. You say, that's just coincidence. No. Think about that word happen. I thought of a good way to describe it. His appointed plan. We see God working in the whole situation. You see, he had Ruth scheduled in the Messianic line. He had Boaz scheduled to marry Ruth, and he just said, all right, let's go this way, this way. All right, go to this field. And he guided Ruth to the very field of the man that he wanted her to marry That's the kind of God we serve. The God who works behind the scenes and in His sovereign, almighty control says, I'm going to take a problem and I'm going to turn it out for good in your life. That's the kind of God we serve. We see a sovereign moving, but secondly, we're seeing a sufficient ministry. Chapter 2 again, verse 14. Boaz said unto Ruth, At mealtime come thou hither and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar." And she sat beside the reaper's, And he reached her parched corn, and she did eat. And she was sufficed, and she left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. You see, what they would do is they would go through, and and the reapers would be gleaning those sheaves, and they would let people come behind them, maybe the poor of the town, or people that did not have any other means of getting food. And they would let them come behind the gleaners and the reapers, and they let them pick up what was left behind. But he said, Hey... He said, don't even stop her from gleaning among the sheaves that you haven't even started on yet. Then he said in verse 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. This is exciting. I hope y'all get it as good as I did. Amen. And leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. We see God working in the difficulty, a sufficient ministry. The Bible says that God guided her to the place where Boaz was. And Boaz, when he met her, he said, hey, I want you to come to the reaper's table and I want you to eat at this table. And he even went over there himself and got her some food and gave it to her. And then we see him telling the reapers, hey, don't mess with her. Let her glean among the sheaves. And also, when you see her behind you, I want you to drop some handfuls of purpose for her. And he was taking care of her. And we see God taking care of us in the middle of our problems. We see God, even when we've made bad choices, God still ministering to us in our problems. Even in our bad choices, we see God working and God blessing and God moving. I'm so glad that when I choose to go outside the will of God, God doesn't say you're going by yourself. No, He walks with me. And in that bad choice, He still ministers to my needs and takes care of me and still drops handfuls of purpose. Somebody say amen. That's good stuff if I am preaching it. Amen. God working in the middle of a mess. A sufficient ministry. But not only that, we see a steadfast mercy. You see, when Naomi returned to Israel, she asked to be called Mara, which means bitter. No matter what her motivation in doing that was, this was... A tremendous thought to me. If you read that story, the only time Mara is mentioned is when Naomi said, that's what you need to call me. There are still two and a half more chapters in the book. And God never calls her Mara the rest of the story. We know her as Naomi. We don't know her as Mara. And in that, I see the mercy of God. He still calls her Naomi, which means pleasant, In spite of the bad choices, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the bitter times, God's mercy still makes him call her Naomi. You say, what does that mean for us as children of God? Here's what it means. We see God working in those bad choices and still turning them out for our good. And then we see God, even in the bad choices, still ministering and providing our needs he doesn't leave us alone when we leave him. He's still out there in the field, providing our needs, taking care of us. And then we see not only that, but we see his mercy still continuing to be there after we have come back. I'm glad that every time we go to God, He doesn't say, "Oh, you need to apologize again for that mistake you made." Uh. Uh-uh. Because you see, once we come back and say, "God, I've left and I'm sorry." God says you're forgiven, and he never brings it up again. Those sins are buried in the depths of the sea, cast behind his back. As far as the east is from the west, and even our bad choices, God forgives them and never brings them up again. I'm thankful tonight for the mercy of God. Look at these things with me. The choice of a man... He made a choice because of difficulty to move outside the will of God. Don't do that. Then we see the consequences of moving. When you move outside the will of God, I promise you, you, you'll lose some things. And then thirdly, the control of the master. God doing what God does best, and that's working in the middle of a mess because that's about all he has to work with most of the time. When we think about how fallible we are, and how prone to sin and mistakes we are, if God wasn't the kind of God who could work in a mess, then God wouldn't have much to work with. I'm glad tonight that He's a God who loves to work in the middle of a mess. I'm thankful for that. When famine comes, be careful. Don't get outside the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for tonight. Thank You, Lord, for just the truth of Your Word. Help us to take it and apply it to our lives. Lord, we'll thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. If you will, please take your prayer sheets. We'll look at it for just a moment and then have an altar of prayer. If you will, go ahead and get ready to add a couple of names to the prayer list. I mentioned my grandfather earlier. Um, he's doing a little bit better, but it's one of those things that's not really going to get better. Uh, Therapy is going to help him deal with it, but it's, it really is just a matter of time. If you would please continue to pray for him. His name is Earl Hughes. And if you would remember to pray for him, I would definitely appreciate that. And then uh, Tony Bennett handed me a request tonight. Marion Key. Marion Key. um, This is a mother of one of Lisa Bennett's friends. She has stage 4 cancer, and now she has pneumonia. She's at Erlanger on the 7th floor, and she is not doing well at all. They don't expect um, her to live very much longer or anything. So if you would please be in prayer for that family. Um, Lisa Bennett's friend is named Pam Cook, and her mother is Marion Key. So if you would please remember them in prayer. Our missionary of the week is Tommy Tillman, serving in Thailand. He's having heart problems and needs special prayer. And then our church of the week is Gilead Baptist Church in Nebo, North Carolina, Pastor Alan Carr. Hospital list, of course, Miss Touchstone is still in uh, the hospital, or still in Life Care of East Ridge. If you would please continue to pray for her. And then Susan Dames, uncle, and aunt are at Hutchison. Willie Holcomb is at Health South. She should be going home here just the next couple of days. She's doing real well after her surgery. And uh, Mary Bruce went back into ICU this week. Um, she had an aneurysm last, I guess, Thursday maybe, or Thursday a um, couple of weeks ago, I guess. And uh, then she was, having, she was doing better, and she started having some spasms this week. And they've put her back in ICU. Did I get that correct, Ms. Rhonda? Does that sound about right? Okay. Um, I just got back in the office today, so I'm still trying to make sure I get everything straight on the hospital list. Um, Parkridge, Ms. Dora Revels is there. So if you would please remember her in prayer. And then all of our shut-ins, those that are sick, and the folks in the nursing homes that we have listed on the back, if you would please remember them in prayer. Let's all come and gather around the altar. And uh, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Let's ask Him to help us to make right decisions whenever famine comes in our lives and whenever we face difficult situations. Let's ask God to help us make the right decisions. Maybe you're going through a famine time right now. Maybe it's gotten difficult in your life and you've been contemplating a decision that tonight God said, wait a second, that's not the right one. Come down and ask God to give you patience to trust Him. And please remember these folks on our prayer list. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just grateful tonight. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you care about us. We're grateful that when famine comes, we can still trust you and help us to do that, please. Again, we pray for our pastor that you continue to bless the meeting where he is at. And also, Lord, for our missionary of the week, Brother Tommy, serving in Thailand, that you'd help him and then Pastor Carr in North Carolina, that you'd bless him in the Gilead Baptist Church. God, all of our folks that are shut in at home and not able to get out and get to church God I pray that you would bless them and help them pray for those that are sick and God's family members and friends God that are going through difficult situations and are on our prayer list and here and on prayer lists in Sunday school classes and on personal prayer lists God folks that we're praying for to get saved folks that we're praying for with physical needs and financial needs and other things going on God we pray that you would meet their needs and help them God, we pray for those that are in our members that are in nursing homes. God, we pray that you would help them. Bless them, God. God, we just ask that you'd work in the lives of the people of Temple Baptist Church. We do thank you for what you're doing. God, we're so grateful for how you are blessing in this place. Continue to do so, please, Lord. Continue to bless us. Continue to help us. Continue, God, to keep our hearts strong for you. Continue, God, to help us keep pushing forward to you. We pray for faith tomorrow night. God, that you would just bless again in a tremendous way. We thank you for what you did last Thursday. But God, continue it this week. May we continue to see great things happen. Bless the services on Sunday. Bless the Bible conference coming up. God, would you just step right in the middle of it. Lord, let us have a great time. Encourage our hearts. Encourage those preachers that are coming in. And God, let it be just a week in which we rejoice in you and bless your name. God, bring us all back safely here on Sunday. Help us to go our separate ways and finish out the work week. God, would you help us to keep our eyes on you? Help us to make right decisions. Help us not to forsake you whenever famine comes in our lives. God, we'll thank you and praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for being here tonight. If you would please shake somebody's hand before you leave. Don't just dart out the door. Tell them you're glad to see them. And we will see you on Sunday. Amen.